Man, we are so excited to be here. I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, yeah. It's so cool. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but I ran a marathon. You just had to set him up for that, Cliff. Mm -hmm. And there was a point in the marathon, and and, and Ruben, I have to ask for your forgiveness on behalf of the entire Pocot tribe. (laughs) At mile 20, there was a moment of weakness. And I said, they can go find their own water. (laughs) I was done. I was done. I remember people were saying, Clint, you can do it. And I said, you can shut your mouth. (laughs) And there's been a lot of apologies I've made since then. Hey, we are so pumped to be here. Yeah. If you're new here, you're going, who are they? I don't care. (laughs) You should care. There's no reason they should. No, it is amazing. Just we were just talking this morning to walk back in here and to see so many people still serving that helped us open the doors here is just incredible. Like the sacrifice that so many of you have made to have an impact in this place is incredible. And we feel so tied here. Like as we talk about a little bit of our story in East Town, the church we started out in the San Francisco Bay Area, like really this is the birthplace of it. There was so much put in our heart here for a desire to reach people that have no relationship with Jesus, maybe have never even walked into a church before. So much of that was started in our hearts here. And there were so many of you in that journey of wrestling when Clint came to me and just said, I think maybe God's preparing us to plant a church. And I was like, you're on your own. You can find another wife to go with you or whatever. And I did. I got on uh, Matchmaker. (laughs) No, you didn't. Because there's like farmers.com. There's so many different. But anyway... (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) Um, But so many of you in that journey as we prayed through this and really tried to discern where God was leading our family that were so in that process with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say too, as we talk today and maybe share some stories, it's like there are, are incredible things that we're seeing God do, but there's really hard moments and there's discouraging moments. And if I just don't even think you can understand the value to us of knowing that there are people here that are supporting us, that are praying for us. I am not kidding when I tell you we get a phone call, an email, a text from someone here, like at the exact right moment that encourages us to continue on. And so we're just so thankful to be here today. It's so good. Yeah, Yeah, it it is. And I just want to echo that, like even walking in and seeing some of the same people that have been serving here for 12, Mm -hmm. 13 years. Um, you, you can quit. There's some other people <laughs> that need to step up. I mean, I see. I mean, Mark B. Buck, come on. Good Lord. But anyways, um, He's not I'm just helping so, right I, I, we are so thankful for you and Cliff and your leadership, you and Angela and Josh, uh, you guys are phenomenal and um, we're so thankful for you. I still remember when I was, uh, we, were, we were hanging out and Cliff had literally been here for three or four weeks and people would come up to me and go, hey, um, they would talk to me. Cliff wasn't even around. They were like, hey, Cliff. And I'm like, I'm Clint. I even dedicated your child and married you like two years ago. Have you forgotten my name? But um, we are so thankful for you and everything that God is doing uh, through, through Birmingham. And um, I want to say this, like, I, I think it's so important, like, just to have a guy, uh, just to be a part of a place, a movement. Kensington is not just a church, it's a movement. Mm-hmm. And to see Jay Lucarelli and to see Ruben and what Kensington is uh, um, partnered with, you know, uh, globally and locally is absolutely incredible. There's so many places uh, that become internalized, right, and become exclusive. And just to have this outward focus is amazing. I remember, I mean, this is how much Birmingham has grown. I remember when we used to meet in the auditorium down there. But... Um, uh, I- 
I think they still meet there. Oh, this okay. Is just like but anyways, <laughs> um, I, I do think this is a reminder. Like, if, if you're ever getting um, bitter or if you're ever getting, you know, somewhat discouraged, I want, I want to encourage you is that when a church remains mobile like this, it reminds us constantly that the church is not a building, it's a movement. Mm-hmm. And people ask all the time, like, hey, uh, at Easttown, like, when are you guys get in a facility? And I learned this from Steve Andrews years and years and years ago, that sometimes a facility can be the greatest growth inhibitor to a movement, not just about people, but about what God is doing in our lives. And it's a reminder every single time that you walk in here, it's like, hey, this is not about me right? It's not about what I want. Yeah, buildings are great, but if it prevents us from, from expanding the movement of God and what he is doing, um, then, then that's when it gets a little uh, risky. So I just want to say what you're doing here and, and let God keep moving, let him keep encouraging. So let's get started. Well, yeah, you just spoke a whole message there before we even got oh, okay. to it. But... That's a bonus. No, um, it, it has been amazing. Um, I think one of the things that we're amazed by constantly in this journey of East Town is just how God is using people that were never serving in a church, people that never thought that they would be used by the church to start something in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and we are just overwhelmed by what we see God doing. And I think we have a little bit of a video just to kind of show you our prayer circle um, last week at East Town. But these are the people um, that, again, I say are so tied here, people that God has brought around us to start a church there. Um, And it's just a constant reminder to us that we're reminded every day that it's not in our own power. It's not in our own strength. It's only because of what God could do. Um, And so this is what we want to talk about this morning is we are more convinced than ever as we've been on this journey, as we got such a privilege to be a part of this community here. And now we've been out in the Bay Area. This January will be three years. Easttown will be two years old um, in January. And we're just reminded more than ever that the church really is the vehicle that advances the kingdom of God. It is God's plan. And when I say the church, like Clint said, it's not this building, it's you and it's me. That God said, like, you are my solution to a broken world. You are the one that is going to advance the kingdom of God. Yeah, one of the things that we talk about, the goal of what we do at Easttown on Sundays is not to transmit spiritual information, but to mobilize each one of us for action to join God in his mission to the world. If we're not capturing your heart with the story of Jesus and aiming uh, in, in the in the aim of catapulting you back into the world, something's wrong. And so we talk about this constantly is that really the kingdom of God is anywhere Jesus gets his way, right, in each of our lives. And so today we hope that you hear something where maybe you haven't necessarily surrendered it to Jesus or maybe for some of you, you've walked in here for the first time uh, or maybe you've been coming for two or three months and you're just trying to figure this thing out and how does faith have anything to do with your life. For some of you, um, you're just going to, I want to invite you, and Cliff is going to do this later, uh, when we watch this with so many people in that circle, they they just come along before they believe anything, right? It's like they're involved in a serving team, or they're involved in some of the things that we do before they believe anything. And so we know that once you start down this path or once you start investigating what it is that God has for your life, something is going to radically change in your life. Because every person that interacts with Jesus, right, they were asked to, we we always ask people, come as you are, but don't leave as you were, right? Every time people interacted with Jesus, something would change, whether it was a positive thing 
or it was a negative thing, right? But every time people would interact with Jesus, they would leave change. So we're going we're gonna to walk through some of this. As we um, started the church from the ground up, we were committed to becoming students of the culture, right? It's like we were there for a year and we were trying to learn what is it that God wants us to see? Who is it that we're trying to connect with? Um, in the Bay Area, in the San Francisco Bay Area, 97% of people are de-churched or unchurched. And that 3% that actually is church, it's not just a Christian church, it's of any different religion. And so more than likely, the people that you're interacting with on a daily basis, whether it's your neighbors, right, or, or it's your co-workers, um, more than likely they have no understanding of church. And we've seen this in the Bay Area, is like the church is like, it, it's not even in the conversation, right? It's not even, you know, God is not even in the conversation, so how do, we, how do we reach people that are in the 97%? It's not going to be coming to us, right? It's not going to be if we build it, if we create it, then they're going to come to us. We had to figure out there's something different. Now, Easttown, a part of Easttown, a part of Birmingham, Kensington, Birmingham, happens on Sunday morning. But the most important part is what happens outside of these walls, right? So how do we live that way? What, what, what are the invitations that we need to accept? What are the things, how do we need to start living strategically? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and I would say as, as a part of that process of really becoming students of our culture, we would sit and talk about, we're like, wow, I don't even know if we really understood the community of Birmingham outside of this environment as well as we should have. And I would just encourage you today, like maybe you have kind of, gotten comfortable in who your group is, who your church is, who your social network is. And maybe part of it is that you just become a student of the people around you. We started asking questions like, what do people think about the church? How do they perceive God? How do they perceive church? And actually, there's pretty positive views about God and maybe this idea of a higher being. But person after person sees the church as judgmental, sees the church as exclusive, sees the church as I need to know something before I enter in. I need to have something put together or some checklist before I can belong there. Um, and so maybe part of it is just learning the people around you that are not connected at all. How do they see the church? And ultimately, like I would say, I encountered when we first moved there, person after person that would say, I can connect to a wound, to a hurt in my life because of the church. Now, it's not because of the church as an organization most of the time. It's because of someone in the church. We are the church. But I would wonder, people even around you, like, what is their perception? And if the church is the vehicle that God uses to advance his kingdom, how do we really join the movement to say, how can we change that narrative? How can we be a part of changing the narrative? And so the first thing we would say, it's like, you just simply have to accept the invitation. You have to understand that God is inviting every single one of us to be a part of changing that narrative. To not just attend church, to not just to choose a place and say, oh, that's my church because this is what I love about it or this is what my family gets out of it or this is why we go, but to say, I am the church. I'm not going to attend, I'm going to be the church. That's the invitation God is giving us. In John 20, 21, it says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus is saying to his disciples, as I leave this earth, you are my solution. Like in Acts 2, as, Jesus, or as you're reading about what the early church was, like you back up a little bit, and before Jesus left the earth, the disciples are still asking, like, when are you overthrowing the government? When are you doing all these things that we want you to do? Don't we come to Jesus like that so often? 
Like, when are you doing this? And when are you taking care of this in my life? Instead of understanding that Jesus is like, I have put you here and I am at work and involved in your life because you are my solution. The people that are living around you, you are my solution to the hurt and the pain in their lives. Yeah, I think, I think this is so true. I think a lot of times in our faith, my jeans have gotten really tight. But anyways, I think, I think one of the, the things that we kind of do with our faith, or not even we're in our faith, is like we kind of sit here, and when Michael is talking about accepting this invitation, we kind of sit here and we wait till everything is right, right? If things are going right, if things are going my way, then we step into it. And I'll, I'll say this just from our perspective, is like moving to the Bay Area and, and starting a church, we knew it was going to be hard. We just didn't know how hard it was going to be. And so a lot of times we, we equate a, a problem or something being hard as it must not be the right thing. And Jesus says, Jesus commissions us, that, that, that scripture that she said, her, her, uh, Jesus' father, heavenly father commissions Jesus go, right? And then Jesus turns to us and says, hey, just, just as my father has commissioned me, it's like I'm commissioning you. But we sit back and we kind of wait. Um, all of our kids are involved in, in soccer in, in, the, uh, in the Bay Area and they're in competitive soccer and, it, you know, it's fun to watch. But it amazes me, you've heard me probably talk, if you've been here before, you heard Cliff talk about it. It amazes me how, how much parents know from the sidelines, how well they, they could coach. I was in the Michigan game, I took my, uh, last night, uh, I took my snorkel, it was great. But anyways, <laughs> right? Um, man, by the way, Michigan, awesome job. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Same with Michigan State. But anyways, I don't want to talk about that. Some people I know, it's offensive. Get over it. There'll be, you know, you got another decade. But anyways, listen. Is I was sitting on, on the sidelines and I was watching this happen. I was watching these two dads be so angry at their team. Our team was kind of winning in the situation, you know, at that moment. And these two dads, they knew everything that was wrong right? They knew everything was wrong. Just like last night, I couldn't believe how many coaches were sitting around me. Could not believe how many assistant coaches. But I was looking at these two guys and they were, there was a moment I judged, forgive me, you all judge. So I was judging too up here. I just didn't admit it with my mouth. And I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they never played a day of soccer just by the shape, right? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, right? That you probably never played soccer. And so they're sitting there and they're telling the coach and they're yelling at their own kid. And then the, the tide would t- turn. They would start winning and then everything was great. Everything was great. And I sit here and I think about this. It's like we don't know what it's like to be. There's this invitation, right? The perspective that these kids have when they were playing on the field is completely different than the perspective of being on the sidelines. It's like the kingdom of God, right, is like a parade that is going by. We can either sit there and we can watch, we can judge, we can say, yeah, I would be a part of this, but there, you know, that would require something financially of me. I would be a part of this, but that would require me to forgive, or I would be a part of this, but... There's always this invitation, and it's always inclusive, right? Jesus was always inclusive of everyone. When he would share parables, he would tell stories, he would talk. It was always inclusive. It was never exclusive. If there was ever an, an exclusive thing that happened, it was because the person took themselves out of the invitation. And so what is it that God is inviting you into? What is it that he's asking you? And what is it that's preventing you from accepting that invitation? 
There's two families here today um, that were a part of helping launch Easttown. They're in the second row over here, the Eatons and the Filipkowskis, that we really knew, did not know at all. The Filipkowskis um, were a part of another campus here at Kensington and heard we were going to the Bay Area um, and decided to move. They moved before we even did, and I think we met once, maybe twice, before they joined us in what we were doing. Um, and then the Eatons were out in California already, but they're from Indiana. They were a part of another Kensington campus. We never knew them. We never knew. They, we lived a few blocks apart when we lived here, and we met them out, out there. And I would say this. It's like, I look at the Eatons especially, and Allie, I'm going to put her on the spot, but she talks about to this day that when they would come to our launch team meetings as we're preparing and getting ready to launch Easttown, like they would literally fight before they were walking out the door because Jeremy wanted to be a part of it, and Allie did not. And she'll say, we, we've, we've shown her story before, and she'll say, like, I never thought that I had anything to offer, especially to a church plant. And then the, the Filipkowski family, it's like, I look at their boys, Austin, I'll put you on the spot. But in the beginning, we're like, that kid is crazy. He has so much energy. He set us back. He, <laughs> he did not. I mean, he has so much energy. East Town would have way more people if it wasn't for Austin. Stop it. I'll never I'm forget the time. I'm saying it to his face. He's Stop right it. here. I'll never forget the time that all the little kids are crying. It's because Austin had like these scary glowing eyes on his phone and he turned off all the lights in the room and all the little kids are like sobbing. They're so scared. And we're like, oh, wow. Okay. Hey, and then no, real quick. This is a really funny story about Austin. Like we were trying to figure out where do we put Austin? We have this huge, oh, no. this huge costume that is a big dog, right? And the dog head, I'm not exaggerating, it's the size of that screen. It is huge. And so we said, hey, let's put Austin in the, the dog costume. He can't hurt anybody there, <laughs> right? And so we put Austin in the costume and Austin kind of disappeared, right, guys? We, 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 we lost Austin. Well, Austin, what we didn't know, he was putting on the costume back in a room and he fell over and he couldn't get up because the head, the head was so big. But anyways, keep going. Sorry. No. And I would say like they, they have all moved back. We tease them that they've bailed on us. Um, but I would say this about Austin as their family was getting ready to move back. Our entire team was like, what are we going to do without Austin? Like we literally watched him transform and he knew everything that it took to set up Easttown on a Sunday morning and he was all over the place and their fam both of these families we look at and we are so thankful that they accepted the invitation even for a season because Easttown literally like I, we were saying like Easttown wouldn't be what it is today without them I don't know that Easttown would be in existence without them and I am just wondering yeah like, yeah You feel a little, little guilt? A little guilty little that guilt? you left us? Okay, good. Yeah, we we would much. like you okay, to. Okay, none at all. All right, um, that's fine. Sorry, Jeremy and Allie, that's fresh. They just moved, so we've been giving them a hard time. But um, I, I just wonder what would happen, and what is it that maybe you've been feeling like this tug or this knock at your heart to, to accept the invitation, to get involved, to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God in a way that maybe you never thought possible or in a way like Allie where you're like, I don't have anything to offer. Well, I would beg to differ, and I would say there's a God who created you that has something so unique for you in this place, a part of this church that you call your home if you've been here for a while and in the neighborhoods that you're living in. 
So what would happen? We would begin to live strategically. That's what we ask everybody that's a part of Easttown to say. You are living around people all of the time. You are interacting in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces with people that will never step foot in these doors. I don't care how great your invitation is. I don't care what fall fest is going on. They will just straight up tell you, like, I am never coming to your church. Does that mean they'll never experience God and what he has for them? Absolutely not, because God has placed you right next to them. And maybe the only way that they're ever going to experience God, great if one day, because of their relationship with you, they end up here. But I don't believe that that's the ultimate destination. God has placed you there to live strategically, to make an impact, to show them that there is a creator who loves them and has this incredible life story for them that they are only experiencing a fraction of. We have this phrase called start where you live and we ask our people to say, hey, if we're ever going to reach the 97%, it's not because of what we're doing on a Sunday morning. Although there's a lot of effort we put in there and we know that people will come out of crisis or people will come because of an invitation maybe. But we say, we need you to be involved in your neighborhood. What does that look like? What have we asked people to do? We've asked people to move their fire pits or move their grills out to the front yard. We've asked people to take their trash cans out at the same time they see their neighbors taking their yeah. trash cans we out. Call it, we have a movement for that. It's called Get Trashed. Mm. We do. We try to have fun with it. We probably shouldn't call that. Some people took it that. to the extreme. Yeah, no, they didn't. They didn't. They're in jail. But we asked like... <laughs> But that's a whole different ministry now. Nope. You never know how God's going to nope, work. Nope, that's not true. He's making all that up. Um, but we do ask people, like in the Bay Area, people commute long hours. People work long hours. People hardly see their families. And so they come home, they open the garage, they shut the garage, they go inside. We have had people host, like one of our things is hosting block parties. And we say, just get to know your neighbors. Just throw a party. We promise they'll come. Throw a party. And they, we have people doing this and their neighbors come to them and say, we've been living in this neighborhood for 30 years and never known a name of our neighbor. And so if we can just be people that begin to connect people and make people feel like there are people who care, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. You want me to go? Go ahead. Yeah. Or no. No, um, heavy breath. Go. I, I want to I do this. I want to I read the scripture. And this is Matthew. And Matthew is in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. It's the four gospels. Gospels means the good news. And we talk about this all the time at Easttown. It's like, it's good news because it's good news for all of us. It wouldn't be good news if it was just for a few of us. But you might need to be hearing good news in your life. I don't know what the circumstance is, but this is what we read in Matthew. And this is Jesus talking. He says this. He says, let me tell you why you're here. So imagine he's sitting here and he's talking to you, right? He's talking to you. He's saying, let me tell you why you are here. When Michael's talking about your neighborhood, isn't it amazing? What if we could stop wondering? What if we could stop worrying about what our house looks like or what the next step out of this neighborhood is? What if we could start looking strategically about right where we are placed is who is the neighbor, right, that's beside me that needs hope in this situation right now? Right? It's like, what is the, 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 the neighbor that could be currently in crisis? But maybe for some of you, you just get home, you're so busy, you pull in the garage, you shut the garage, you go in and you do the same thing. It's like Groundhog's Day for you. What does it mean to live strategically? Because here's, here's the thing. It's like, I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel guilty for not living strategically. I want you to know that you're missing out on so much more that God has to offer when you live strategically. There's so many different things that he wants to show you. And he says this, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. 
If you lose your saltiness, how will people, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. And he said, here's another way to put it. You're the light. You're to be the light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret. Here's like we knew when we moved in the neighborhood and how important that neighborhood was for us. We didn't look at people as projects. We didn't say, oh, if we could only get them to come to Easttown, because the majority of them never will. But we wanted to make an impact. We wanted to make a difference. We don't know how long we're going to be there. We're renting a home, and it's a million dollars a day to rent. (laughs) And so we're sitting there, and we're like, how are we going to make a difference here? Because we're thinking about how are we going to afford to live here? How are we going to make a difference? This is why there's virtually hardly any church plants that are happening in the Bay Area, by the way. In fact, I was a part of a cohort of seven guys. Five of them within two years are gone because of how expensive it is. But we know that God is ready to wake things up in the Bay Area, and it's already happening. So we looked at our, we looked at our neighborhood, and we said, hey, what is it that we can do? How can we start, you know, opening things up? And so our, when we first moved in, and I shared this story, I think, last year or two years ago when I was here. When we first moved in, we thought it was, it was January. Our kids were in shorts and T-shirts playing football in the street. And it was, you guys, it was freezing. It was like sub-70s. <laughs> And people looked at us like we were crazy. What are you doing outside? But we begin to know people. We begin to get, you know, doing events out in front of our house. But I began to set ramps up for the kids to ride their bikes. Parents were angry at me. I remember one kid came up to me. He said, hey, Mr. Clint, ever since you've moved into the neighborhood, it's gotten way more fun. Oh, no, it's not done yet. Then he said, but it's also got a lot more dangerous. It's like, are you making an impact? Are you, are, are, do people even know if you are, this is an invitation for followers of Jesus right now. If you're kind of still sitting on the inside, you're wondering, or outside, and you're wondering if this is for you, it's like when you pull into the driveway, when you, when people see you, what is it that you're bringing? What's that energy? What's that light that you're bringing? Because if it's about just being social, it's about the next getting drunk or drinking or do whatever never Friday night. It's like, no, they, they can, people can go do that anywhere. What is the difference that you are making in that place? God says, listen, this is what I want you to do. Jesus is going to show you how to do it. You need to be the light in that place. You're to bring out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. He says, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've been put here on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. By the way, we I have know, a, we're, I on love a, it. we're on a clock, but it died. So we get to go as long as we want. There is no time on there. He's trying to three? hold up our numbers. 30. Three. 30, 30 minutes? 30. Got it. <laughs> Um, but we have a girl that we hired, I think back in January, um, part-time for Easttown, and she's been a part of a church growing up all her life. And all of a sudden, we're just watching her eyes open up to what it looks like to live this out, to be strategic. She's moved into a new neighborhood, and her family has gotten so intentional with knowing her neighbors, um, with knowing their neighbors. And she, a couple weeks ago, comes to us, and she's like, my neighbor is coming. And she begins to tell us this 
story. She's never stepped foot in a church. And she starts getting texts the night before from her neighbor. She was like, do I have to pay something before I go? Is there something certain, you know, specific that I need to wear? Like, what do I need to do before I come? Do I need to sign up before I come? And all of a sudden, her eyes are opened to what's happening outside of these walls and what's happening right around her in the homes around her. And now when she's there, she's our worship leader and she's incredible. But all of a sudden she's seen everything at Easttown through these new eyes. She's not seen it and we've had to stretch ourselves so hard to not see Easttown and do ministry the way we've just always done it. She's not seen it for what she wants to do or what she wants to get out of it or what she thinks that it should be or she's always wanted church to be. Now she's seen it through the eyes of her neighbor. And she's sitting there, she goes, I was thinking, oh, I hope Clint says this like he always says this. And I hope we make it clear that no matter what you believe, it's okay. And we love that you're here today and that we explain and we don't talk in a way that people feel like they're walking in halfway through a movie and they have to know all of this stuff to belong to this place called the church. And she's seen it through a whole nother lens. And this woman is hanging around forever after and she's experienced, I don't know what she believes, I have no idea. But she's experiencing this community that God created and something that she's been desperately longing for. When you begin to live strategically and you know that you're the picture of Jesus for people, it's like you have whole new eyes to see the way you see the church. It's like something completely changes in you. And you have to know like the last thing, and we've kind of filtered this throughout, is like it's not about you. Like, yes, there's a God who loves you and he has this freedom that he offers you, but he doesn't offer it just for you to hold on to and like, whew, at least I have Jesus. It says in this verse, like, he's not for you to hide it under a bucket. Like, what he offers you is to give you this incredible life, but that so you can pass it on to others so it can flow out of you. This is a hard one. Like, there's so many times, even at Easttown, it's like we started like really learning the culture, but then identifying like, this is our mission. This is our vision. These are the things that we're going to measure. This is the timeline that we want it to be in. And there have been so many moments that we are like this punch in the gut reminder that like, it's not about us. And a lot of times when we're frustrated or things aren't moving as fast as we want them to at Easttown, it's because it's about us. Mm -hmm. Like we want to feel okay about what's happening and we want to know that we're successful and we want to be able to share that we're successful and that great things are happening. But it's like those measures oftentimes that we have created are so that we feel okay. And then it's like we're quickly reminded it's not about us. And God is doing things that we never expected him to do. And I don't know why we're surprised still when we knew like the percentage of 97% that don't go to church. But every time we meet someone that is asking these questions, do I have to pay? What do I have to wear? Do I have to sign up? Is it going to be okay? When someone thinks when I talk about a kid's program that there's like a little playground, they have no idea what that means. Like there's phrases that we've used and they're like looking at me like I have three eyes. They have no idea. And the things that we see God doing, we're having churches come to us and say, we are just at a huge community event. And they said, we're here because of you. Like we've been in existence in this place for years and it has become about us. And we're out here with a tent and we're serving root beer floats because of what we've seen Easttown doing. And we know all of a sudden that it's going to take a group of churches coming together and being in the community, going to where people are, not expecting people to come to us before we'll ever see the landscape change. We're going to show you this video of Matt. Um, No, go ahead. Yes. Okay, we're going to show you this video of Matt. I'm going to let you set it up. 
Yeah. Okay, that? good. Yeah, because okay, you were just you were preaching. So oh, it was good. Okay. All right. So I you want me to take a break? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a lot. But anyways, um, <laughs> I'm just saying. We'll talk I, about it but later. But everybody's used to hearing you speak. You have way too many words anyway. So go ahead. So um, I, want to, I, want to, I want to set this video mat up. Um, but before I do that, I want to say this. Um, we're going to, we're, I, I always remember talking, it means something so different, this moment of receiving uh, our giving moment, because we would not be here. We would not be at Easttown if it wasn't for your faithful giving. Mm. And I, if you're not giving, that's, you should go find a different church. But anyways, listen, <laughs> if, if you haven't experienced this part of your life because you say it's mine, the first way you get control of your finances is to not let it control you. And when we start giving, it actually gives us power and it empowers us to advance the kingdom in so many different areas. I just think of the wells that are with the Pocah. I think of the pastors that are there. I think of because of a faithful group of people in here and all across Metro Detroit. And so this, this what we're going to do is you're going to see a story of Matt. And I, I'm not joking. Like the, you are directly connected to this story through your giving. You really are. I think about Rob Dawson, who was playing drums up here, which he's gotten a lot better because when I was here, but anyways, I'm just kidding. Rob's amazing. But Rob and Jen came out and they filmed Matt's story. Mm -hmm. And what they took for compensation was ridiculous, but they, they, they believed in it, right? They believed in what we were doing and they were able to do it because there was a church behind them that allowed them to do this. So as you give today, as you watch this video, as you give, I want you to remember that. And if you are new here, if this, this is, you can let this pass as a gift, but I never try to prevent people from experiencing what God wants to do through their finances. It's absolutely incredible. So I want you to watch the story of Matt and know that you're connected to it, but also what is the invitation that God is making to you? Wife, Stacy. Uh, we met in 1995. We have two boys, 16 and uh, 12. Oldest is Benjamin, youngest is Austin. I was raised Catholic so um, and went to parochial school, um, always around the church. Uh, I went to church twice a week for the first 12 years of my life, but never really had a spiritual connection. It was always, we have to go to church because we have to go to church. When we met, we, uh, we were about 18, 19 years old, and uh, you know, during that time in my life, God wasn't even so much on my radar. I knew about him. I had been, I had grown up, but it wasn't a big part of my life. And so as we began our relationship, it didn't really dawn on me um, that that wasn't part of our relationship. And so as time went by, um, I started to come back to the faith a little bit. And this was, this was several years later and into our relationship. Um, and he would just put up a wall. You know, when any time I would try to talk about it, um, he would just shut down. And it was upsetting because up until that point, we pretty much could talk about anything. And that seemed to be the one thing that I couldn't talk to him about. I actually believe the transition into being heavily involved with the church was easier with Easttown than it would have been with any other established church. Um, that part was exciting for me. And through this process, I, I found myself growing, growing closer to how I should have relationship with, with Jesus and, and what that really meant to me. Working the tech in the back of Easttown 
I'm, I'm listening to everything. I'm listening to every part of the message. I'm in tune with everything that's going on, which I never really think that I did in any other service I ever attended um, previous to Easttown. So that buildup over those weeks and months, um, I felt something that day. Um, and for five or ten seconds, I was thinking to myself, I'm ready. And I raised my hand. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't think anything, anyone was looking. But someone was. <laughs> my baptism day, uh, having that day with, with Stacy was super important. Very, very emotional for both of us. Matt, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next to our wedding day together, I mean, it's, it may have even overshot that, to be honest, uh, emotion-wise. Our emotions came out, and it was very uncomfortable for me at the same time. I, uh, I'm not one to share my emotions freely. I honestly wasn't sure I would ever see that moment, and to be standing there with him while he did it, and to hear the words that he had to say about his transformation, um, was just amazing and I got to see like what this community of Easttown did for him. I still have some difficulty getting 100% connection with my spirituality. Uh, for me, it's okay. I know that I've, I've recently just scraped the surface of, of where I'm going to um, start my relationship and build my relationship with Jesus. And every point, every person is at a different point in their relationship, and I think that's okay. I, I, I bring myself back to the fact that my whole family is involved in East Town, and I'm setting my kids up for a lifetime of relationships and faith and Christianity. And I th for me, that's important. One of my favorite parts in that video is that Matt says, like, I'm still on this journey. Like, I don't have it all figured out. And that's okay. And maybe that's where you're at today. Um, but I would say, like, we literally watched God transform their family. And it started with them serving and giving and just stepping in to be a part of a community, not even knowing what God was going to do with it. And I know there were so many moments that were scary for you guys as you moved out there and took this big step. And maybe there's things that are scary to you and that hold you back from taking a step. But like Clint said, I believe there's so much that you're missing out on that God wants to do through you. And when he does something through you, he does something in you that you can't even begin to explain. And I would say this, it's like, I believe a lot of the impact that you can have starts right here because there's a verse in John that talks about the enemy and that the enemy is always prowling around trying to steal, to kill, and destroy what God wants to do in your life. The enemy is always looking for a crack to have a seat at the table in your life, to whisper untruths to you, to say that there, you, you, you can't make a difference or you don't have anything to offer or you're too busy or what will people 
people think if you step into this. There's all these little whispers happening. And I am telling you that coming back to this community, to having a rhythm every seven days that realigns you, that encourages you, that reminds you to say, this is north. This is where we're going. This is what God has for you. I believe your life begins to transform when you take a step of sacrifice and say, I'm going to serve in this place that God created from the beginning to be the vehicle that advances the kingdom of God. And you will be amazed the more you step in and the more you give away, the more that you receive and that God does through your life. You know, I, I saw this. Um, have you guys ever heard of Instagram? Hmm. And I was following this, this teacher, pastor, and he was doing this. And I was like, I can relate to that illustration because I've been a part of it. Hmm. And he talked about that moment in that all of us have probably shared that moment that you go up into it, you're in a busy uh, facility or a busy place and you, you get ready to push the button to the elevator. And he talked about going up to the, to the elevator being kind of nervous and he pushed the button because you have no idea what's on the other side of those doors. So he pushes the button and then, you know, you kind of walk back from the elevator and uh, the doors open and it's just packed. Have you ever had that gut, that feeling of when it's packed? They're looking at you like, what's this idiot want? Why does he want to get in here? Right? And then you make that little, you know, you make the little step and then what do you do? You get in and you make that turn. And he talks about this turn and he turns into the elevator and the door is closed and now you're, that's your tribe for the next 10 feet, right? And so you go up for the next 10 feet and the door opens again and you look at the person and they're all staring at you and you start to think like, what's this moron want, right? Why does he want to get in here? And I think a lot of times that's the church. Is a lot of times we, we want the grace, we want what we want, and we want it to meet the needs that we have. What you have here at this Birmingham campus of Kensington, you've created a space for people to question, for people to belong, for people to experience hope and healing and restoration. And I will tell you this, when you take that step from out of the stands and onto the field, and you begin to create that space where it, the grace isn't just limited to you. It's for everyone. The good news is for all people. Something amazing happens to your life. Some of you are going through some horrific things in your marriage right now. Some of you are going through some horrific things in your workplace. Some of you are going through some unbelievable times in your finances. But you've never connected the dots to looking beyond yourself and getting involved and becoming a part of the solution that that could be the thing that provides healing in your life for the beginning of it. Let me pray. Lord, we just come to you and just thank you for this movement of people. Lord, I just thank you for what this place means to us and how special it is and how it will always be so special to us. Lord, I thank you for Cliff and Josh and the entire team here and their leadership. I thank you for each and every person. As I walked in here today, watching them set up and tear down, Lord, we're just so thankful for that. Thankful for each and every person that's working in the kids area. Lord, we just thank you for what they're providing for all of us. In your name, amen. Hey, it's great being with you. God bless you guys.